0: Hello, this is Congressman Jim Clyburn, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Clyburn Chronicles. I've always been a lover of history. I see this platform as a way to connect history with the politics of today. This is so important, because as George Santiano once said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Each episode, my guest and I will have a conversation about the lessons of the past, the politics of the present, and how we must learn from those experiences to help shape the future. Thank you for taking time to listen, and welcome to Clyburn Chronicles. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Clyburn Chronicles. Last month, President Biden signed the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act into law, an historic investment in our nation's outdated physical infrastructure unlike any our generation has ever seen before. Now, I'm proud. Uh, to introduce our guest for this episode, the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, who's going to help me break this transformative bill into parts that all of you will be able to understand. Now, many of you got to know Secretary Buttigieg uh, during last year's uh, campaign for president. Uh, He ran the campaign uh, that became uh, the envy of a lot of people and uh, even split my family. Uh, Some of you may recall uh, that around the time I was uh, announcing my uh, support for uh, President Biden, then Vice President uh, Biden, uh, my grandson. Uh, informed me that he wanted to get involved in the campaign and uh, I just assumed uh, that he was uh, uh, getting involved in the same way that I was and I walked him and he said wait a minute Uh, I am going all in uh, for Pete Buttigieg. I admired that about him in fact I said to him the other, not so long ago that I was so impressed with his work on behalf of Secretary Buttigieg that I was going to hire him to run my campaign for re-election. And I have now uh, secured his service to do that. Now, Secretary Buttigieg is the uh, 19th uh, Secretary of Transportation, uh, but he didn't just pop up in that campaign last year. He had been involved at the local level for a long time. In fact, I think one of the best ways to be prepared uh, to run uh, a department like the Department of Transportation is to be out where the rubber meets the road. And that is the life of a mayor. And Secretary Buttigieg has been uh, a mayor, uh, and it's very successful uh, one of that uh, and so I'm so pleased to have him with us here today to talk about uh, this bill uh, that I think is going to really uh, do for people in my congressional district uh, and other congressional districts all over uh, things that have never been done before. Uh, I had a little bit of issue uh, when we heard some of our friends saying they're all for uh, infrastructure, but it had to be traditional infrastructure. Well, the world has changed. And infrastructure is a much broader issue today uh, than it was when Eisenhower uh, did the Interstate Highway and certainly much different from what it was when Abraham Lincoln did the Transcontinental Railroad. Infrastructure is broadband infrastructure, is housing infrastructure. Today uh, is something totally different uh, from that which it has been traditionally. So we need a person with vision, a person who has been out there with the rubber, meet sorority person who knows what it's like to have to meet the everyday dreams and aspirations of the American people. And that's been the life of Pete Buttigieg as mayor. And that is going to be his duties and responsibilities to this great nation as Secretary of Transportation. And I am so pleased to have him with us here today. Mr. Secretary, uh thank you for being here and i'm going to just let you in your own way let my listeners know exactly what this bill is all about and what they can expect from it
1: well thank you so much Whip Clyburn, for the the kind introduction thank you for your national leadership and uh and your leadership and helping bring this bill to reality. And and thank you for having me on to have this conversation about what has become my favorite subject, which is how this bipartisan infrastructure law is going to make people's lives better across the country. Uh, You know, uh, as you rightly pointed out, infrastructure now means uh, things both new and old, uh, things that are as Uh, familiar as roads and bridges, and there are over $100 billion in resources and funds to improve our roads and bridges. Uh, To take an example, uh, $4.9 billion for South Carolina alone, uh, but also investments in areas that nobody was thinking about in the days of Abraham Lincoln or or, or Dwight Eisenhower, uh, like the the need for us to have broadband internet access, which is actually not that different from the reasons why we need uh, good roads. They connect us. They allow us to reach opportunity. Uh, They allow us to be connected to one another. They pull communities together. That's why the interstate highway system matters. And that's why the internet matters. And these days, it is just as important to have an internet connection as it is to have an interstate highway connection. This bill contains the resources to make sure that no American is left behind. We're talking about better ports and airports at a time when they are deservedly getting more attention. We're talking about making it better for both passengers and freight to move on America's roads and rails at a time when we're paying more attention to things like shipping and supply chains and how goods get where they need to be. It's full of investments in safety, ways to make sure that we reduce the number of unnecessary roadway deaths that uh, unfortunately have become all too common in our country, and it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, improvements in the environmental quality. After all, transportation is uh, uh, unfortunately a major source of pollution and of greenhouse gas emissions, but that doesn't have to be. We can change that. We can do something about that, and thanks to the dollars in this bill, we will. So I am uh, very much enjoying already, just in the weeks since the President uh, signed that bill that you and your House colleagues and the Senate delivered, Uh, I have been enjoying the opportunity to go to communities in every part of the country and uh, literally see the concrete uh, areas of improvement where we can make a difference. And it will be the work of this department for as long as I have this job, uh, concretely making people's lives better off.
0: Well, thank you so much for that. Now, uh, I know that we've been talking about this and people are very anxiously awaiting Uh, and see their lives change uh, because of it. Uh, Can you uh, share with some of uh, the listeners uh, some of um, uh, what they can expect and when uh, as far as the benefits uh, that will flow from this bill? Uh, When can they expect uh, for some broadband uh, connections to be had or uh, when they can expect for some roads and bridges? Uh, to get done. Uh, Can you share some of that with us?
1: Sure, and it's a question we're we're getting a lot because of course everybody's eager to see this come to a a neighborhood near you. And the answer is that we have both short-term and long-term activity happening because of this bill. In the short term, these dollars are going into programs we already have, like the formulas that fund the roads that uh, come to uh, neighborhoods in every part of the country. Uh, Those dollars will flow next year Uh, And of course, next year is now just a a few weeks away. Other things are going to take longer. We're we're building whole new programs, like a a program uh, about reconnecting communities. That's uh, when you have an area where uh, the way that a highway, for example, was laid out, maybe in the 50s or 60s or 70s, uh, is uh, dividing a neighborhood or cutting people off from opportunity. We're going to find ways to overcome that. Uh, That is something that we haven't done much of in the past as a department. And so it'll take us some months to build that program. And of course, uh, if we are doing a major uh, repair to a tunnel or constructing a new airport terminal uh, or uh, reconfiguring one of America's ports that are so important, Uh, That's work that will carry us across this decade. But that's a good thing, uh, that there is both immediate short-term work on things like roads and bridges uh, and things that are going to take us into uh, the years ahead, because this is designed to create jobs throughout the the decade to come. And it's really about making sure that America wins the future, as the president so often says. Uh, You know, infrastructure week became a punchline in Washington because so many Uh, so many political promises were made that we were about to have infrastructure week. Uh, But as the president says, we're now in an infrastructure decade and that decade has already begun.
0: That's great. You know, um, South Carolina uh, has an economy uh, that is um, really uh, changing rapidly. Uh, But there's one thing that has not changed and that is our dependence Uh, on our ports. And I always put an S on that because um, most people think about the Charleston port and they forget we had the Georgetown port as well. And so I always emphasize uh, the plural uh, in uh, so much about this bill uh, is uh, important uh, to the ports uh, in our country uh can you uh, uh give us a little bit of an idea of what uh, uh those industries in south carolina uh, that depend upon the port uh what they can expect
1: yeah one of the best things i think about this bill one of the most timely things about this bill is that it contains 17 billion dollars for improving our ports and inland waterways uh, and that uh, includes uh, some of our biggest ports and and smaller ones too as you mentioned Uh, Thinking about places ranging in size and scope from from Charleston to to Georgetown. Uh, You know, ports are getting more attention, finally. Uh, They've deserved more attention for a long time. Uh, They're getting attention, obviously, because of some challenges that we face as a country with uh, demand having rapidly returned thanks to things like the American Rescue Plan, uh, bringing income and savings back to Americans' pockets, uh, but supply struggling to keep up. We're seeing just how important those ports are, just how much we rely on them to uh, get the goods that we need. Uh, By the way, not just for importing products and and presents that are going to go under the tree. But for exporting our agricultural products and making sure they get out around the world is why we need to invest in upgrading them. We have allowed our ports across America to uh, slip into a condition uh, that's just not competitive at a time when uh, you have a ferocious global competition going on that that largely depends on having the best ports. And by the way, uh, you don't have to be at all involved in the shipping industry or live anywhere near the coast to to have to care about this, because when we have the right kind of port upgrades, we're also improving our rail connections, we're improving things for our truckers who play such an important role in our economy. And you can be a thousand miles away from the nearest coast and see the difference when goods are able to get to you more quickly, more efficiently, and more affordably because we made those long overdue investments in the quality of our ports. Well,
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, uh, people tend to look about the ports and they think about the ships coming in and the people loading the ships and the ships going out. But the fact of the matter is, those goods have got to get to that port. And in so many instances, especially in South Carolina, I have to tell people, where do you think those tractor trailer trucks are going? Uh, they're going to and fro, uh to the port. Uh, the same thing with rail, uh, these railroads, uh, we've got two big railroads here in South Carolina, uh, Norfolk Southern uh, and CSX. Both of them go into that port and out of the port. Uh, and then they go sometimes to an inland port. We got several inland ports in South Carolina where the trucks go to put things on rail, uh, and so this thing all works together and we uh, cannot uh, separate our port from uh, the other parts of this. Uh, you just got to be able to see it all together. But that's something else that um, I'm particularly interested in and I get a lot of inquiries about and uh, that is this whole issue of equity and uh, whether or not uh, the jobs are going to be created uh, and whatever uh, is happening, whether or not we can ensure uh, that people are treated, being treated equitably. Now, you notice I emphasize the word equity rather than equally. I, uh, uh, I, my whole life is built around uh, equity issues. And that's why way back when we were doing the, the so-called American uh, Reinvestment uh, uh, Act uh, back in 2009, I opposed and had accepted uh, a little formula that I call 102030. Uh, that formula simply says this, uh, going to the Census Bureau um, Uh, communities where 20% or more of the population has been stuck beneath the poverty level for the last 30 years. Uh, That is a persistent poverty community. Yet we have almost 500 uh, counties in this country uh, that fall into that category. Uh, uh, Several of those counties, about uh, almost one third of South Carolina counties fall into that category. And so what I said back then, and we are pushing now, is that when we appropriate funds, whatever category they're appropriated in, uh, that we need to target those resources. And so I uh, came up with this little formula, at least 10% of the funds that are being appropriated here should go into those communities where 20% or more of the population, has been stuck beneath the power left for the last 30 years. That's where the 10, 20, 30 comes from. And I can think of no better, um, say application of that formula than to uh, these communities where we'll be building roads and bridges and putting in water and sores. Uh I'd like to know if uh, uh, you have been able to Take a look at that, or uh, even in the thought, to what 10, 20, 30, uh, something akin to it, uh, can do in these communities.
1: Absolutely. And, and and if I could uh, uh, inject one more number into the conversation, which is 40, uh, you know, your 10-20-30 uh, uh, principle, which has uh, earned a lot of attention and, and respect, I think harmonizes a lot with the idea of Justice 40, which is a commitment that the President has made uh, that uh, at least 40 percent of the clean investments in this bill will go to historically under uh, underserved and overburdened communities, which uh, in many ways uh, matches or, or is comparable to that definition around uh, persistent poverty that you've mentioned. We're working through right now how to make sure we can best make good on these promises. And let me mention this in, in two ways when we're thinking about transportation and the transportation investments we're making, whether we're extending a road or fixing a bridge or uh, making sure that there's clean water by removing lead service lines or anything else that's in this bill. Part one is the jobs that it creates directly. Right? Who, who gets to work on that road? Who gets involved in that project to uh, dig up and replace those pipes? These are good paying jobs, jobs which mostly don't require a college degree, and that we're gonna need a lot of uh, American men and women ready to, uh, ready to do that work in order to succeed and meet uh, these goals. And you know, far too often I have seen projects in areas where maybe a project comes to a, a neighborhood or a community and the residents can't help but notice that the people doing the work Uh, The the people digging the trench and the people uh, uh, setting up the the, the concrete and the people uh, laying the pipes don't look like they came from that neighborhood. That's why we're driving what's called local hire through pilot programs here at the Department of Transportation to make sure that that direct opportunity for the workers and for the businesses uh, goes to places where it hasn't gone before. Uh, But that's part one. Part two is the jobs that are created over the long run just by that piece of infrastructure being there. So in addition to however many months it takes to, let's say, fix an interchange or, uh, or, or uh, replace a bridge, uh, for years and years and years after that, the people who drive on that interchange or cross that bridge, or drink that water, or use that internet connection, or whatever it is we put in, uh, are going to benefit. And there, too, we have to make sure that these investments are targeted. Uh, because the truth is, in the past, sometimes federal dollars, including transportation dollars, were not used to connect but to divide. And we have a chance to do something about that. And it's a, a real focus for us in this department because when we do it right, when we get that right, when we are just and equitable in our investments, I believe entire communities and the entire country are better off.
0: That is absolutely correct. And thank you so much for that. Justice Ford, I think it's very, very important, especially as it relates to one part of this infrastructure bill that's not being uh, talked about enough in my opinion, and that is the $1 billion, that's there to, Reconnect neighborhoods. That has been a big, big issue. In fact, I went out to Tulsa uh, uh, the other day. Well, several weeks ago now, um, and I was so—I cannot tell you what it did to me—to uh, be there and see how that community, not just what happened a hundred years ago, but what happened recently with highways where they've divided up neighborhoods. There's $1 billion here designed to help reconnect neighborhoods where uh, equity issues were ignored uh, years ago. And your department is going to be involved in uh, helping to reconnect these neighborhoods. Would you like to uh, talk a little bit about that?
1: thank you yes this is i think a very important part of this legislation there's there's never been anything quite like it and we want to make sure that we use that billion dollars well uh, because we think it will also demonstrate a principle that should guide all of our future work which is to make sure that it is always connecting and never dividing Uh, if you look especially not only but especially in the period of the 50s 60s and 70s when uh, so much highway construction went on in this country and and you look at communities north and south uh, whether you're talking about syracuse or Birmingham, whether you're talking about St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, or uh, Atlanta, uh, you see time and again that a a highway was routed in such a way that it uh, either divided or sometimes completely removed uh, 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 neighborhoods. Um, And and often these were uh, thriving communities of color that were replaced or removed. And sometimes that removal was uh, was very explicitly viewed as, uh, as part of what the project planners were trying to do. Uh, Now, the reason it's so important to recognize that history is that we can do something about it. Uh, We can do something with the same federal departments and dollars and programs that sometimes served in the past to divide. We can use them to unite. Sometimes that means that uh, you can uh, build a, a connection over or under a highway or, or a piece of rail or something that that, that is cutting off people from from opportunities uh, sometimes it means the whole thing maybe could go underground or it could be capped different ideas and different solutions are going to come from different communities and we welcome that uh, we don't need to come up with all of the answers in washington but we should be coming up with more of the resources and that's what we're in a position to do thanks to this legislation and i think uh, getting it right will give us a lot to be proud of
0: absolutely i'm i'm looking forward to us uh... Uh, getting out here and really demonstrating to these communities uh, that this administration uh, is going to get it right and is going to do the things that are necessary uh, to make up for some things uh, that were not done quite right. I remember my early years of um, uh, participating as a uh, president of the Parent Teachers Association down in Tulsa, when the highway separated uh, the community uh, from the school uh, that the children had to attend. And I moved up to Columbia uh, to go into state government. And lo and behold, uh, there was another big highway project in Columbia. And I was there and watched how the big highway Uh, put all the people on one side of the road and the school their children had to attend on the other side of the road and then opposed putting a pedestrian overpass across the road these things uh, this administration uh, is addressing not just going forward but looking back and to help rectify uh, some of that and i think that's a huge uh, involvement for this administration. I'm so pleased uh, that we're doing it. Now, we also have had some problems uh, with the CARES Act. You know, I chair uh, the select subcommittee on the coronavirus, and we've seen uh, that there's been a lot of fraudulent expenditures of funds uh, in the past. We're working on trying to correct that. And I'm hopeful uh, that this administration is going to put safe in place to make sure that of this uh, what, $1.3 billion, uh, that it is not just well spent, but that we protect uh, the investments uh, that our uh, citizens are making uh, with their tax dollars uh, in such a way that the money won't get fraudulently spent uh, as it has been in the past. And that's not just about the administration. That's about a lot of sometimes fly by night groups, uh, corporations coming to be in uh, to take advantage of this. And I am sure, uh, but I would like for you uh, to let our listeners know uh, that there's going to be safeguarding.
1: Absolutely. Uh, We are very, very focused on making sure that all of these investments are on task, on time, and on budget. Uh, That means making sure there's the highest standard of accountability and transparency for these taxpayer dollars to be spent well. After all, these are taxpayer dollars, and while these sums of money are enormous, uh, the, the truth is they could go out the door very quickly Uh, and us not see results unless we have all of those safeguards in place. Uh, So uh, both within my department and across the administration, this is a a major, major feature of how we're doing this work. And I can tell you this comes from the president as well. He takes great pride and rightly so in the work that he did, helping to oversee the 2009 uh, uh, legislation to provide relief from the recession and making sure that uh, uh, the vast, vast majority of those dollars Uh, were uh, spent in a way that was uh, absolutely spot on, and we feel that too. I I say to my colleagues every day here in the department, uh, if we have been trusted with uh, our transportation piece over half a trillion dollars, we've got to make sure that the American people see half a trillion dollars' worth of results. And that's something we'll be working toward every day. And of course, I know that you and your colleagues in Congress will be uh, in a very healthy dynamic. You'll be looking over our shoulders uh, to make sure that we get it right and, and we'll be as transparent as we can to support Congress and your oversight role as well.
0: Well, thank you so much for that. And, you know, I uh, don't want to uh, press the issue of time here. Uh, and I know how it is uh, when you're trying to keep a schedule. Your folks have made it very clear to me uh, that I need to uh, let you get away from here uh, within three minutes. So I'm going to take one minute and let you have two to close. And my one minute is to a thank you. Uh, Thank you for the leadership you've given uh, to this country, uh, to this particular agency. And thank you uh, for really being um, willing to serve at a time that the country is facing some significant, real significant uh, changes that we've got uh, to really be careful about. Uh, so with that, Uh, Let me uh, allow you two minutes uh, that's left to close, and with whatever wisdom you may want to offer to my listeners and
1: me. Well, uh, uh, I would be uh, uh, humbled by the the thought that I would have any wisdom to offer you, knowing uh, the experience and the expertise you you bring to this work of government. Uh, And and I'm humbled by the task in front of us, which is to deliver on on those resources that the Congress has authorized, that the President has signed into law, and that the American people have very high expectations for. So I want to thank you for inviting me to have this conversation. I want to thank you for the leadership in the House that made it possible for us to get this historic law Uh, signed. And uh, I I just want uh, you and everybody to know that my colleagues, uh, the 55,000 people who work in the Department of Transportation in every capacity from air traffic controllers to pipeline safety inspectors, uh, all of us are hard at work to make sure that these historic investments go to the, the better roads and bridges, the better ports and airports, the better trains and transit and buses. Uh, the better clean safe drinking water and internet access and all of those things that people need in order to thrive. If we get it right, if we deliver these uh, historic investments in a way that uh, makes transportation and infrastructure safer and cleaner and more equitable and more economically powerful in this country, uh, then ironically it's something people will think about less and less. uh, When something works smoothly and perfectly, and safely uh, for you to get to where you need to be, whether it's a nice, smooth road to drive on or a, a excellent uh, uh, streetcar or bus or, uh, or train so you don't have to drive at all, uh, or a glass of clean, safe drinking water where you never had to ask yourself for, for one moment uh, whether or not it was going to be safe for you and your family, uh, then you're free to think about the other things that matter to you in life, uh, whatever that might be, enterprise and, and uh, Uh, in industry or or faith and and family or studies or or, or whatever else people uh, are focused on as they go about their their daily lives. That's what I think about is the the way that that everyday life gets better when we have better transportation infrastructure. And uh, thanks to your leadership, thanks to the president's leadership, and uh, thanks to the support of the American people, we are positioned to deliver in uh, bigger terms than we've been in my entire life on making that better future happen.
0: Well, thank you so much. And to my listeners, you have been listening to uh, the 19th uh, Secretary of Transportation, Secretary Pete Buttigieg. And this has been another edition of Clyburn Chronicles. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clyburn Chronicles. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a comment And don't forget to subscribe to my show wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I'm Congressman Jim Clyburn.